<laughs> Look at us. Look at Look us. At Who would have thought? Not me. not me. I'm not thinking anything. Um, you just I, get brighter. Head empty, no thoughts. I did just get brighter because <gasps> I realized how to uh, switch my camera. Like my work, my, my, not my work camera, my like webcam and yeah. my built-in camera. Ooh, fancy. So, yes. So now I've only like five you've, years in. I was going to say, you've only seen me. Well, I haven't had this webcam for five years, so yeah, let's yeah, be yeah. real. I haven't had this regular laptop for five years because I'm a poor, <laughs> but aren't we all? And I am the poor named Caitlin. Hi, Caitlin. She's taking a photo uh, with her drink for the uh, Patreon section of the Discord. Yeah, and I did forget. Uh, I should show you. I can't post it in the Discord, but I should show you later the photo that I took. Because when I tell you it was entirely of you and my like notes for this episode. And oh, nice. neither I nor my cup made it in whatsoever because I forgot to set up the shot like I normally do. Wow and professionals over here we're vibing we're thriving yeah this this mug that i have is meant for a left-handed person which doesn't help things um, i think a mug can be ambidextrous a mug can be ambidextrous but not this particular mug because as you'll see on the patreon discord channel the mug has something on the side that is not on the other uh, side yes. i see this Haley's seeing it now so while you're framing up this shot, can you do two things at once and tell us what we are going to be talking about this week? I can never do two things at once, but luckily for both of us, I can take a selfie really fast. Okay, cool. Um, but this week is a fun one because Haley doesn't know what I'm talking about. It is. <laughs> I thought we were talking about one thing and now it's been And then I said, slashed. surprise. Yep. So this is crime culture. Did we say that? No, we didn't. This is your I... brain not medicated today. Um, for those who, who don't know, you'll know next week we're recording these out of order. So yeah. I am not fully present, but you'll find out why next week. Um, yep. this week we are talking about, this is a special request. <gasps> this okay. is a long time coming. And this is the Circleville writer. <gasps> which that was, was a going to be on the list so long from now and now we're like moving it up oh my god we unprecedented it up it wasn't so long from now but it feels like it was so long from now because it was yeah. going to be right after spooktober yeah um but no this is a request from travis yeah and we love long travis. time patreon subscriber long time listener yeah M many time caller and we hope to hear from him again yeah um but yeah, so that's what we're talking about today is the Circleville Writer. So excited. And yeah, so the Circleville Writer, for those who don't know, so it's very, the whole mystery surrounding the Circleville Writer and their letters is one of arguably the most intriguing and disturbing criminal cases in American history. It had shaped um, our, um, our case on the fuck, that Netflix show that was uh, disappointing, the one in Jersey, the Westfield Watcher. The Watcher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, it, the Westfield it, Watcher. Yeah. Has those yes, vibes. it had shades of this, so I'm very excited yes. for this whole story to come out. Yes. Um, and so, basically, for over two decades, residents of Circleville, Ohio, were terrorized by this mysterious letter writer 
who we'll get into, sent thousands of threatening letters to various individuals in Circleville, including school officials, law enforcement officers, private citizens, government officials, um, just all kinds of people. And this is not the type of place where this happens. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that it, it should happen anywhere or that it would happen in New Jersey be more believable that it happens in new jersey yeah but um circleville was just like this small is this small sleepy little town there were twelve thousand people there it was best known prior to these events for its annual pumpkin show <gasps> i want to go i know i know travis let us know if the pumpkin show is still happening yes um but this all changed when the circleville writer began their reign of terror in march 1977 mm. Um, residents one day opened their mailboxes to find a mysterious letter written in block print, which read in part, quote, you have been watched failure to comply and you shall suffer. No one can help. No one can protect you. Obey, obey, end quote. Um, fuck no, that. Thanks. I would be a so upset. Fuck that. We got a handwritten letter, multi multiple pages also in creepy printed block print, actually. What? Um, from the lo- one of the local Jehovah's Witnesses who oh, only Christ. said her name was Grace, but she addressed it Michael. Yo. Actually, I should redact that because we'll if put, they can we'll find Michael's address. We'll put a cat meow over it. <laughs> if, they, if, if Grace, the Jehovah's Witness with no last name and no return address can find us, then they sure as shit can find us with Michael. I mean, our last names are on the cover of our podcast, our, so. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. But you know what? I do like a cat meow. Okay. So we'll just we'll just say that Michael's the cat's meow. Yeah. And we'll just do that. Um, but no. So we got that letter, and she said something very similar, where it was like, I've seen you, and I know where you live, and blah, blah, blah. And it was all about wanting to save us. But, like, first of all, she yeah. couldn't have been looking that hard, because... Let me tell you, we are not savable people. Um, but I straight up said to Michael, I was like, we have to save this letter. Michael tried to throw it out. And I was like, we have to save this letter because she's going to show up at Evidence. our house in the middle of the night. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is fucking creepy. This is fucking weird that yeah, she's got like our that. address. She knows our names. And she, well, she didn't. She said, Mike, she said like Michael redacted and wife or spouse mm, or something. Okay. I don't think she said spouse. I don't think she was like into the gender neutral thing. Um, like I said, she wasn't watching us very well if she thought, but she did still say this and she sent like a long ass, lots of Bible verses, all of that. And you know what? Not going to yuck anybody's yum, but not into that's it. not how you contact somebody. Yeah. That's not how you contact somebody. Yeah. So yeah, I can only, I can somewhat imagine because this ended up being obviously a little more innocuous than what these poor people went through, but it's not a fun letter to receive. No. And and do not teach your kids to write in block print. They're not serial killers. This is how we raise serial killers. Yeah. So the writer claimed to know everything about everyone and what happened in Circleville. Um, what happened and in these, Circleville? Well, I'll tell you what happened in Circleville. Because oh. um, these letters were sent anonymously to, again, hundreds of residents, local businesses, government offices, just all over the place and they all threatened to reveal the recipient's darkest secrets or worse. This is literally a Black Mirror episode. Yes. So recipients were accused of, among other things, embezzlement, domestic violence, 
murder affairs. <gasps> um, some of the mysterious handwritten letters were sent out with no return address. And most of them were postmarked in Columbus, Ohio, which is 30 miles or about 48 kilometers north of Circleville. Mm-hmm. So nowhere, like a 30 minute drive, nowhere near Circleville, yeah. particularly. But these letters seemed particularly personal for one of these victims, bus driver Mary Gillespie, hmm. who became the main target of the Circleville writer. Oh, shit. Um at one point the writer threatened quote i've been observing your house and i know you have children end quote Ooh, i hate that I hate nah, that. the chills that i have grace is it you um so yeah so the writer accused mary who was married fun fun to say mary, mary married. married um of having an affair with a with the school superintendent gordon massey who was also married not as fun no. to say and the writer threatened to expose this alleged affair if Mary did not end their relationship, writing, quote, Stay away from Massey. Don't lie when questioned about meeting him. I know where you live. I've been observing your house and I know you have children. This is no joke. Please take it serious. Everyone concerned has been notified. It will be over soon. End quote. Holy shit. I hate this. Mm-hmm. I hate this That's so much. That's a fuck no from me, dog. So Mary, however, is a lot braver than I am. Yeah. Um, out here fearing Jehovah's Witnesses. Meanwhile, she's got like a real issue on her hands and she just ignored the letter. All right. She was like, fuck this. This is spam. Colin Bluff. No. Yeah. Um, Nigerian princes, they couldn't fool her. No. They wouldn't be able to do shit to Mary. So... She ignores this letter, and then she starts receiving more of them. All right. Don't love that. No. So the writer in these letters claimed to be watching her every move and warned her not to tell anybody about them or else. Um, in one of the letters to Mary, it read, quote, Lady, this is your last chance to report him. I know you are a pig and will prove it and shame you out of Ohio. A pig sneaks around and meets other women's husbands behind their backs, causes families and homes and marriages to suffer, end quote. Um, I should also mention that there are spelling errors and punctuation errors throughout all of these letters. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, just on brand. Note this. Yes, note this. Just please know. Yeah. The print, very legible. Okay. The spelling, the punctuation, not Not very legible. Okay. So the letters sent to Mary didn't stop and continued to become just more and more threatening. So finally, her husband, Ronald, started receiving them, too. And the writer, who, again, is adamant that Mary and Gordon Massey are having an affair, wrote to Ronald at Ron at one point, quote, Mr. Gillespie, your wife is seeing Gordon Massey. You should catch them together and kill them both. Oh, God. He doesn't deserve to live, end quote. Holy shit. I know. This is, this is, this is. Unhinged. More dramatic and more unhinged than like your local town Facebook group. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they're threatening. This is worse. They're saying, hey, go ahead and murder that guy. Yes. But it has the same energy is what I'm saying. Like, this is, this is the type of shit. Like, nah, nah. So like his wife. Ron 
didn't respond and then continued to receive more threatening letters over the years. I mean, not over the years, but like over the weeks. Yeah. Um, with one of them reading, quote, Gillespie, you have. Oh, did I say quote? Quote. OK, <laughs> we're fine. Quote. We know who we're talking about. Gillespie, you have had two weeks and done nothing. Admit the truth and inform the school board. If not, I will broadcast it on CBS posters, signs, and billboards until the truth comes out, end quote. So Weird. I mean, at this point, it's like, okay, like, had an affair. Like, no one died. Well, and she vehemently denied it. Mary and Ron were very well respected in their community. They were high school sweethearts. They had stayed in the area of Circleville to raise their kids. Like, they were just the the perfect couple um one local resident who is how do i explain this her name's janet cassidy okay and she is the sister of ron's sister's husband Oof. <laughs> okay all right the sister right. of someone ron's got a sister yeah ron's sister is married so it's ron's sister's sister-in-law okay okay that's what i mean though small town yep small town um, but she told 48 Hours, quote, you wouldn't find a better person than Ronnie Gillespie, end quote. All right. So according to Marie Mayhew, who is the host of the, quote, whatever remains, end quote, podcast, which is she she goes in depth on this case. Okay. If you are interested in it. Um, these letters eventually escalated. Um, they like this person wasn't fully bluffing um there would be phone calls and there would be offensive signs and she said quote ron would have to go out and he would have to find and pick out pick up all the signage about his wife and kids around circleville end quote oh my god i know uh, really like this does feel like an unhinged like black mirror episode of neighborhood gossip and there's no like uh, this person seems to be off their rocker a little bit there's no a little like idea of who this could be well you know i love you so much because Haley can't see my notes and she keeps teeing me up and i'm just yeah. sitting there like uh so the couple did end up going to the police about this after the threats became more violent yeah um and the police tapped phones they had stakeouts they were watching houses they tried to work with the united states postal service the usps to see where the mail was coming from but for the life of them because you know they're the police they couldn't figure out who was behind these letters Hmm. meanwhile ron became convinced that the person sending the letters was none other than the superintendent gordon massey who was the one accused of the one accused of having an affair with mary okay that's one way to let your wife's or no your girlfriend's husband know that you're together yeah yeah um but yeah so ron began to investigate this matter himself because the police were doing fuck all as usual Uh and even went so far as to confront massey in person yes however the superintendent denied any involvement in the situation or with ron's wife yeah and claimed that he had also received threatening letters from the circleville writer okay but then the situation became even more complicated when ron received a letter that threatened to kill him if he did not stop digging into this oh shit yeah so 
as usual, Ron ignored the letter and continued to investigate the matter. Okay, probably not the smartest thing, but... To quote Sammy Sweetheart from Jersey Shore, Ron, stop! (laughs) Okay, yeah. (laughs) So... By August 1977, things came to a head when Mary went on vacation to Florida with her sister-in-law. And at this point, Ron had had enough. Um, One evening while she was gone, the phone, she was on her way to Florida. Uh The phone rang at the Gillespie household and Ron picked up and nobody knows what was said or even who was on the phone. But moments later, he was storming out of the house with his .22 caliber revolver and told his children that he was going to confront the the letter writer. Okay. Mayhew, that podcast host, said, quote, Ron had told Mary he knew who the letter writer was and he was going to take care of this problem while they were in Florida, end quote. So presumably then he gets this phone call. He storms out. Uh Uh-huh drove off in his pickup truck and was not seen again oh no until he was later found dead after having reportedly crashed into a tree in a single vehicle accident that day okay okay he was 35 years old oh my god yes but like i could Um, see like in a blind rage maybe veering off the road well well, really, like you are teeing me up. We have never been more in sync. Like I feel like those little green men from Toy Story right now. Okay. Um, the revolver was found near his body, and the police confirmed that one shot had been fired. Mm. Just one. Okay. And this raised the question of whether or not he had been firing at the letter writer. Okay. But the police never learned why Ron fired his weapon. The identity of the caller, like I said, has never been found. It is believed to have been the letter writer, but nobody knows. Okay. And so the coroner ruled Gillespie's Ron's death an accident, saying that his truck slid off the road. Um, Former investigative journalist Martin Yant said on 48 Hours that Ron also police noted, they said whatever, that police called it a drunk driving accident because they said he had twice the legal limit of alcohol in his blood end quote but yant said on 48 hours quote a number of people told me that he was not a heavy drinker end quote okay um so yeah many people suspected especially given that that letter to ron said stop it or i'll kill you uh-huh. um i'm i'm taking creative license but you know the threats were there yep um they suspected that ron had been murdered with Yant telling 48 Hours, quote, the letter writer had made threats to Ron Gillespie that he could end up dead, and he ended up dead, end quote. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's not a reach. Damning. Yeah. So among those who reportedly believed that Ron was murdered was his brother-in-law, Paul Freshour, who pushed the Pickaway County Sheriff's Office to take a closer look at the case and was like, something is not right here. M- m- my brother-in-law is murdered like i'm convinced um pam stanton who was a um longtime family friend i believe there there were all right so there were a lot of people interviewed and the what's the word that i'm looking for the identities of some of these people were a kind of enmeshed like with like ron's sister's sister-in-law yeah (laughs) um and then there's things like so there's things like that 
and then there's situations where it it's just very confusing like she was just she was close to the fresh hours ron ron's family and i don't think she was related but i also don't know for sure that she was related okay um because it's weird and we'll get into it she told 48 hours though quote he wanted the truth about ron's death he wanted to know who was writing the letters too end quote Mm -hmm. but even when ron died the letters did not stop coming the writer just started sending even more mail to people in the community, even charging the sheriff, Sheriff Radliff, Radcliffe, in the cover-up of Ron's death, saying, you know what, basically saying, like, you know what happened. Yeah. So they also, the letters continued to also target Mary and Gordon Massey. And Mary, like, forever, never once did she waver in denying that she had an affair with Gordon. Mm-hmm. However, after Ron died, she did admit that they began to have a romantic relationship upon her husband's death. So the letter writer just was like, these people were together. These people were together. And then they're like, but what if we were? The letter writer brought them together? Yeah. I don't know. The letter writer killed this woman's husband and then forced this relationship. Is this a romantic comedy? Oh, no, I don't mean that they were forced together. Like, that's a fucked up romantic comedy. But like... This is a romantic comedy. That they just kind of bonded, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. But she is adamant that they didn't begin a romantic relationship until after her husband was dead. And it's very much giving... pick, Pick a celebrity being very adamant that they didn't start a relationship with that 18 year old girl until it just so happened she was 18 Um, take take your pick take take your pick honestly yeah you never even Um, looked at her before she was 18 years old yes no not at all um but so yeah so she did say that it had only started after the letters ramped up again um and after it was revealed that they were in a relationship now the letters only got worse one of them taunted quote everyone knows what you have done if you don't believe us just make them mad and find out for yourself end quote Hmm. another one read quote it's your daughter's turn to pay for what you've done end (gasps) quote yeah okay now can you get like some investigation somebody involved please no um instead things kept getting worse and these attacks kept growing more devious years after ron's death on february 7th 1983 mary was driving her bus route to pick up kids and she was at an intersection on her route when she saw an obscene sign about her 13 year old daughter on a nearby fence oh jesus christ so horrified she pulls over and tries to pry the sign off the fence, but noticed that it was rigged with twine and a mysterious box. <gasps> so she takes the box home. Mary, no. Mary. And she opens up the box. Mary, no. It's a bomb, Mary. No. Okay. In fact, inside was a loaded gun ready to go off. It's a saw trap. <laughs> Who is this person? It's, it's Jigsaw. You got it. You got it. Son of a bitch. Um, It's the dude sleeping in the corner. So, yeah, she immediately takes the box to the police and they quickly realize that it was a booby trap. No shit, Sherlock. Yeah. Uh, This trap 
nearly killed Mary, but it did contain the clue the police needed because they couldn't do the job themselves. A fingerprint. To unravel the mystery. No. Even though the gun had been damaged in an attempt to conceal it, firearm examiners at the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation, or BCI, were able to recover a serial number from the weapon. I know. And it revealed that it had belonged to Paul Freshour's co-worker. So Mary's husband's brother-in-law, the one that was very adamant, like, you need to investigate this. There is something wrong here. Yeah. So it was his co-worker's gun. So the police go to his work at Anheuser-Busch and the co-worker goes, yo, 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 listen, listen. No, 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 no. This was my gun. I admit it was my gun. But I've sold it. Yeah. And I sold it to Paul. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Girl, the chills that I have. Um, shocking. Shocking. This is like, crazy. Right? That's absolutely nuts. Yeah. So investigators, of course, immediately go to the Fresh Hour house where they see Paul's estranged wife and Ron's sister, Karen Sue, already, already. We got a Karen Sue. Yes. We're a twofer. She is in the middle of a contentious divorce with Paul. Like, just knock down, drag out, real fucking bad. Okay. And she tells the authorities that... Paul was furious with Mary over her being involved with Massey and that he was responsible for the letters and that she had even discovered letters hidden throughout their house. Whoa. So Yant, the journalist, said, quote, she had found one letter torn up in a commode and she had found a couple of other letters hidden in the house, end quote. Mm -hmm. So according to 48 Hours, Paul, however, insisted that Karen was lying and he had nothing to do with the letters or the booby trap. And he even was like very cooperative with investigators. He didn't ask for a lawyer. He let them search his house and his car. He gave them handwriting samples. He explained about the gun that, yes, he had bought that gun off that co-worker, but that it had gone missing. It had been stolen weeks earlier from his garage. Um, So everything is like going well for Paul. Mm -hmm. Not really, but like, you know what I mean? Paul is like, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. Here is all of the information you could possibly want or need to prove my innocence. And then he takes a polygraph test Mm -hmm. and he fucking fails it. All right. So Paul was arrested for and charged with his sister-in-law-ish, Mary's attempted murder. No charges were brought for the letters, though. Like just it was just attempted murder on mary Mm -hmm. and at the trial mary was allowed to testify about the letters and answer questions from the defense about them which experts say was very damaging to paul's case because you see without or, or not without but so paul again was never charged with writing these letters but at the trial the judge allowed 39 of them to be brought in as like evidence okay and This was due to the fact that there was writing on the booby trap, which was similar to the handwriting, the block letters in the letters. Mm -hmm. So then that opens up things for them to ask Mary about the letters. So this is all pretty damning. But the evidence in general is kind of circumstantial. Um, An expert witness 
even testified that Paul had written the Circleville letters. Um, the state brought in the BCI handwriting analyst who had compared the writing on the booby trap to the letters sent to Mary and then to the samples that Paul had provided of his handwriting. And Yant told 48 Hours, quote, they had handwriting analyses that indicated that the letters could have been written by Paul Freshour and a second expert, originally a defense witness, agreed, end quote. Mm -hmm. Even still, though, it was extremely difficult for the prosecution to prove the case at hand, which was that Paul made the booby trap because it was largely circumstantial evidence. Uh -huh. His fingerprints were not found on either the gun or the box. Okay. Um, and they didn't have a whole lot of evidence about the booby trap other than him admitting that it was his gun, but that it had been stolen out of his garage. Yeah. Um, the box that had held the gun, it was an industrial sized chalk box was easily found at anheuser-busch where paul worked like you <laughs> okay. could just find the, you could find them anywhere yeah. they were just not being very dozen. slick about it well no i'm saying they were everywhere like there was no proving that he had oh, okay. that box but it was still um, at his work yes but it was like everywhere like you could get them anywhere mm, it was right. a box of chalk okay um furthermore paul had taken off the day from work the same day that the booby trap was found and everybody's like we got him Ah, that's a little... However, he said it was having work done on his house. And okay. also, no one saw him near the booby trap. All right. The entire day. Still, I, um, I know it's circumstantial evidence, but it does seem like... It's very suspicious. The circumstances are very suspicious. Yes. Um, yes. Yant said, quote, he had a pretty good alibi for most of the day. Paul Freshour didn't take the stand, but multiple defense witnesses testified to seeing him at home. End quote. Okay. So in his closing argument, Freshour's lawyer asked the jury, quote, who hated Paul enough to try to get him into trouble? If you read the divorce decree, who stands to profit financially if Paul is convicted and goes to prison? Mm -hmm. End quote. So even despite casting shadows of doubt, even despite the real lack of circum like definitive evidence, we have no fingerprints, we have no smoking gun. Um, this was still enough evidence for the jurors. And in 1984, Paul Freshour was found guilty of attempted murder and sentenced to seven to 25 years in prison. Wow. Mm -hmm. However, Paul forever maintained his innocence and claimed that he was framed. He appealed his conviction several times. All of the appeals were denied. Mm. So some people in the community really doubted that Paul was guilty because they considered him to be a family man. He had never been in trouble with the law before. He was kind of just like a good stand-up guy. Um, and after the verdict was read, Stanton, the family friend, later said on 48 Hours, quote, I got home and everybody was just a basket case. They were crying. Everybody was upset, mm. end quote. And Stanton truly believed then and now that he could not have been responsible saying quote it's just preposterous there's no way end quote okay and furthermore remember that woman that i mentioned earlier janet cassidy mm -hmm. she's ron's sister everyone's related i told you that's where i was like this is complicated because it's mary's husband's sister's Dogs, brother nieces yes exactly now i'm getting <laughs> fucked up mary's husband sister's husband sister <laughs> one of those is true we're gonna need a family tree yeah 
Um, but yeah, so Cassidy also told 48 Hours, and this is such a sister move, quote, he wasn't dumb enough to put his own gun in a booby trap. Anybody could have gotten that gun, end quote. Okay. And I'm like, I'm like, I love that she wasn't like, he wasn't dumb. He wasn't dumb enough. Yeah. Like, that's such a sister thing to say. I was like, you know what, Janet? Like, you can sit He was with me. pretty fucking like, dumb, but. <laughs> but he wasn't that dumb. Yeah. Give him some um, credit. Yeah. So despite Paul's conviction for years, the letters continued to come <gasps> done, in done, droves. Done. Yes. And the writer even began to target other individuals. Um, one of the letters warned people, quote, you have been watched, end quote. Wow. And one of the most high profile cases involving the death of a local school official who was killed in a car crash after receiving a threatening letter was after Paul went to prison. Okay. Um, the writer claimed responsibility for this crash and threatened to do the same to other officials. Mm hmm. So the case continued to baffle authorities, and many theories emerged about the identity of the Circleville writer. Uh, some believed that Paul was not the only person involved and that there was a larger conspiracy at play. Others believed that the writer was somebody with a personal vendetta against the town or its residents and or its residents. Mm -hmm. um, Yoakum told 48 Hours, quote, I'm not one to talk or I'm not talking about one or two letters. There were hundreds of letters that went out after he was in prison. Wow. End quote. Yes. And I think that I actually may have only mentioned Yoakum once before this. Um, and yeah, so Yoakum is Robin Yoakum. And that's another investigative journalist who actually interviewed um, Paul. Okay. Um, so again, that that's who. So there's there's two different investigative journalists and because we have to make it difficult it's robin yokum and martin yant okay and they both have to Yoakum be yant. y last names exactly it's it's so that's what robin yokum said and the pickaway county sheriff couldn't say how he knew this but he was convinced it was paul who was able to write and send these letters but he, he again he couldn't say how paul must have been able to do it and Paul's warden even disagreed, saying it was, quote, unquote, impossible because Paul was not allowed access to pens or paper while behind bars. Mm. He was in, like, his own kind of form of solitary. Mm. Okay. So Robin Yoakum told 48 Hours, quote, he was strip searched. All his incoming and outgoing mail was inspected. There is absolutely, positively, no way Paul Freshour was writing those letters and smuggling them out from prison. No way. End quote. Hmm. Or maybe he had somebody on the outside that was doing it for him. I mean, it's entirely possible. Um, but regardless, the letters still continued with hundreds swamping Circleville. Um, after Yoakum and Yant wrote articles about Paul, they started to receive letters. And inexplicably, so did Paul. While he was behind bars, he received a letter bragging about how the writer had set him up reading in part quote fresh hour now when you are going to believe you aren't getting out of there i old you two years ago when we set him up they stay set up end quote again this means that it makes no sense there's a lot of there's a lot of weird shit yeah um but needless to say this this writer is saying we set you up paul 
Yeah. And goddamn, hook, line, and sinker, down you went. Well, shit. So, yeah, as the Circleville letters continued, suspicion began to center around Paul's now ex-wife, Karen Sue. Okay. So, after all, Karen had reported her husband to the police, and there's a little bit more. Mm, Okay. So, Paul, of course, believed, as many men do, that his ex-wife was responsible for this. um, It's always the ex-wife. It's always the ex-wife. But, like I said, even his lawyer raised that very possibility during his closing argument. He was like, like, who would have hated him enough? Look at the divorce decree. Who stands to profit financially? Yada, yada, yada. Um, Well, Karen was on the worse end of the divorce. Uh, She lost her home. She lost custody of their daughters. And she was even living in a trailer on Mary Gillespie's property after this divorce. Mm. Um, Stanton told 48 Hours, quote, if Uncle Paul was out of the picture, she got it all. End quote. Wow. Right. And remember, Karen Sue was the one to first link Paul to these anonymous letters. She said that she found them in their house. She never turned them over to the police. Okay. They have never been seen. Oh, okay. Mayhew told 48 Hours, quote, Karen tried to piece it back together when Paul was not at home and said she could make the name of Gillespie out on the letter, end quote, as far as the one that had been, like, torn up. Mm-hmm. But Karen noted that, that or uh, Mayhew noted that, quote, she didn't keep the letters, end quote, which made no sense why Karen would not keep the letters, that she just got rid of them. Yeah. So, again... Yant even said in his 48 Hours interview, quote, why wouldn't she run off right away to the sheriff's office and say, look, this is from my husband. He's the letter writer. She didn't do any of that until after the booby trap was found. Mm -hmm. I think somebody stole his gun to set him up and it worked, end quote. All right. So here's the thing. Thanks to their ugly divorce, a very uncivil war was raging between Paul and Karen Sue for years. Yeah. Their two daughters were even divided over their dad and caught in the middle was their son, Mark, with Pam Stanton telling 48 Hours, quote, he was so loyal to his mom, but he loved his dad, too. Yeah. But with Sue, you were going to be her son or his son, end quote. That's really fucked up to do. It's really fucked up to do. So ultimately, Stanton said Mark chose his mom and he never once visited his dad in prison. Wow. Aww. Yeah. With Stanton adding, quote, he wouldn't tell me why. He just said he couldn't, end quote. Aww. So according to Yant, Paul strongly suspected that his wife was the the one who was behind this alleged setup. And he also strongly believed that it was Mark who stole the gun. Wow telling 48 hours that before there was any talk of a booby trap before the booby trap even happened that paul quote did tell some people that the gun had been stolen and i did interview one man that said he specifically told him that he thought it was mark the son end quote yeah but paul kept his suspicions about his son to himself because quote 
family loyalty meant more to him, even though his son had totally rejected him, end quote. Mm. So even when he was faced with the prospect of going to prison, he didn't mention anything that he had said to these other people about thinking that Mark had stolen that gun, with Stanton telling 48 Hours, quote, Paul, get his son in trouble? No, Uncle Paul would have never done that. Uncle Paul would have died before he had seen Mark go to jail, end quote. So just before sunrise on September 11th, 2002 in Portsmouth, Ohio, a man's body was found floating in the Scioto River. Okay. And it was 49 or 39, pardon me, year old Mark Freshour who had shot himself. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, His mother, Karen Sue, later told police that her son had suffered for years from depression, but did not really explain the source. Yeah. Stanton later told 48 Hours, quote, all this destroyed Mark, the divorce, the letters, it all destroyed him in a way that can never be fixed. And I firmly believe when Mark took his life, he could not deal with the guilt any longer, end quote. Oh, jeez. I know. This started as a rom-com and then a mystery and then a soap opera and now just like an Oscar drama. This is this is heartbreaking. This is really, really um, bad. But we're going to get into a little more weirdness. Well, we're going to get into a little more weirdness. They ruined so many lives. So many lives. And we're not even done. And like after somebody. Lives are still being ruined. After somebody died and then somebody else went to jail and then they still kept writing letters. And somebody else died. Yes. Well, they kept writing the letters after he went to jail before uh, Mm -hmm. before Mark died. But like. Yeah. Holy shit. No. And I'm not just talking about Mark. I'm talking about that other dude that died, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. Lots of death. Yeah. Um. For a letter, lots of death. So in the early 1990s, when Martin Yant began investigating Paul's case, he said that he discovered evidence in police reports that there was an indication there could be an alternative suspect. He later told 48 Hours, quote, there was another bus driver who saw what I think is very significant. It was something that never came up at trial, and it points in a whole different direction, end quote. Okay. Now, investigators never followed up on this, but Yant did. So this female bus driver told Yant that 20 minutes before Mary found the booby trap, she had driven by the same spot, with Yant explaining, quote, she said she saw a man standing beside an El Camino, but the man turned away from her and acted like he was going to the bathroom, so she didn't get a good look at him, end quote. Okay. He noted that the description didn't seem to match Paul Freshour, quote, She said he was a large man with sandy hair, and Paul was not large, and he had very dark hair. Okay, so definitely definitely not. Yes. Um, Yant continued, quote, There's no evidence that any inquiries were made about who might have an El Camino. End quote. Okay. However, allegedly, Allegedly. Karen had a boyfriend (gasps) with sandy hair. Oh. She also had a brother with an El Camino. It's all coming together. It's all coming together. You would like that, wouldn't you? No. Sit the fuck down. (gasps) So nearly 10 years after Paul Freshour went to prison, the intrigue surrounding this case caught the attention of none other than everyone's favorite television series. You know it. Unsolved You love it unsolved mystery will you let me build up i had the whole thing ready um we're yes. we're mind melding today i had to say it 
We really are. This is great. I love this for us. Um, whatever drugs you're taking today, keep doing that. Um, Cold medicine. So, <laughs> so in, that's what it is. We both are sick. Yep. That's what it is. Um, so in December 1993, before filming even began, the show received a postcard <gasps> with an ominous threat that read, quote, forget Circleville, Ohio. If you come to Ohio, you El Sickos will pay. El Sickos. The Circleville writer. End quote. El Sickos. What the fuck does that El mean? El Sickos. I don't know, but my mom says it. What? I'm not saying she's the Circleville writer, but I've heard my mom say it. I mean, has she ever been to Ohio? Karen Sue. <gasps> Rob same as Susan. I know. <laughs> I know this, yes. Thank you for telling me. I told you your mom's name. <gasps> I can't believe this. Um, but yeah shockingly because keith morrison's a fucking g of course he is this did not deter the show from going to circleville Fuck ohio not. no um in fact in fact they invited him on the show. the show can you imagine can you imagine i would absolutely die um the original air date of the episode is november 11th 1994 <gasps> before my birthday and it is right before your birthday if you would let me did they, did they mention my birthday on it? No, I was going to mention it, and I'm taking it out of the notes now because, you know, you did this. No, what did, you what did, did your this. notes say? Which is a day before Haley's birthday. <laughs> it is. Um, but yeah, a, a, several people declined to be interviewed, including Mary and Sheriff White Radcliffe. Dwight Radcliffe. Okay. Sorry. I flubbed, but it was a Freudian slip. Um, but even... Uh, several people still agreed to talk um even paul who at that point it's 1994 he had just been released on parole and speaking on the show he begged them to look deeper into this case saying quote i'd really like to see someone really look at this case on the letters reopen the letter part of it and get in and find out who wrote the letters end quote yeah it seems like there's a big fucking question mark on this case that needs to be addressed mm-hmm. but as stanton told 48 hours there was one person who was not happy that unsolved mysteries was in town and it wasn't the circleville writer dun, dun. it was fucking karen sue are you surprised i'm not no. what's more karen sue was also mad that stanton agreed to be interviewed and remember, Mary and Sheriff Dwight Radcliffe both declined to be interviewed. Okay. Um, she, Karen Sue was real fucking pissed that Pam said that she would go on the show saying, quote, I got a phone call and her telling me it would be in my best interest not to go, end quote. Bruh. I know. So Karen Sue didn't participate in the show, shockingly. But according to Stanton, she kept track of every single person who did. Stanton told 48 Hours, quote, she sat in a car on the other side of the intersection and took pictures of everybody going in and out for the interviews, Holy shit. end quote. I know. And uh, for what it's worth, 48 Hours also reached out to Karen Sue for their coverage yeah. of this case. And she did not so much as respond to their requests for an interview. All righty then. That's all I'm going to say about that. 
Um, however, I will say also that Mayhew told 48 Hours that she believes Karen Sue is nothing more than, quote, a, con- a very convenient villain, end quote, and that trying to connect the booby trap to Karen Sue is tenuous at best, saying, quote, there's someone who looked like the man she was dating, driving a car that looked like it could have been her brother's. None of that points back to Karen Sue. I don't believe that she framed her husband for this or was responsible for it, end quote. All right. But like... But it's like, worth looking into. Like, again, again, she's sitting there, like, threatening people and, like, like not even just, like, calling them, but sitting on the other side of the intersection, taking their photo, ta- like... Like, almost like... Physically trying to intimidate yeah, them just as they're going say, like, into and out of intimidation. these. Yes, yes. Um, but regardless of what experts may or may not believe, what the people may or may not believe... Karen Sue was never named a suspect by the police. What the fuck? Maybe her boyfriend was a cop. We don't know. Makes sense. So this is all wild, right? Yeah. What if I told you that the case took an unexpected turn in the 1990s? I wouldn't believe it at all because this is there's no other turns that this could take. Okay, because what if I told you a new suspect emerged in 1993? I don't even, I, I couldn't even fathom who it would be. 10 years after the booby trap, yes. just for, for math's sake. Um, yes, so a prison inmate named Thomas Lee Dillon sent a letter to the Columbus Dispatch claiming responsibility for the Circleville letters. Um, Dillon was already serving a life sentence for murder. He had a history of violent behavior, you don't say. Mm. And authorities did investigate his claim and found similarities, several of them, between his writing style and that of the Circleville letters. However... They could not conclusively link him to the crimes, and so he was never charged. Mm. Now, fast forward a year. It is 1994. Unsolved Mysteries is coming to town uh-huh. like Santa. And all. Uh, so Paul was released from prison and let out on parole. Okay. And at that very moment, the letters stopped mysteriously appearing in mailboxes. <gasps> Nobody received a letter again. And by the time the final letter was sent, it's believed that close to a thousand were received by Circleville residents. Whoa. I know. So the fact that the Circleville letters abruptly stopped when Paul was released from prison, of course, led people to further believe that he was the writer. But Yant told 48 Hours, quote, he was very hurt and he was hurt with what it did to his family. Yeah. End quote. Paul's other sister, June Whitehead, told 48 Hours, quote, I don't think Paul's guilty. I think he served those 10 years in prison, and I don't think he was guilty of the attempted murder. And I don't really think he was the letter writer, end quote. Hmm. Regardless, in 2006, the case took yet another turn. I know. When a former police officer named James Renner began investigating the case... Uh, Renner had grown up in Circleville and had always been really fascinated by this story. And so he began to uncover new evidence and interviewed several individuals who claimed to have had knowledge on this case. So his investigation led him to a new suspect, Dwight L. Bowman, a former school superintendent. Okay. According to Renner, Bowman had a motive for sending the letters as he had been fired from his position as superintendent and had a grudge against several of the individuals who received the letters. Hmm. However, before authorities were able to question him, Bowman died in 2009. All right. 
so we don't know yeah we it could have been him yeah it really could have been him um paul fresh hour meanwhile he did die on june 28th 2012 at the age of 70 the went down fighting to prove his innocence uh-huh. Uh, but when he was interviewed by Yoakum now over 35 years ago, he correctly predicted that his notoriety as the circle of the writer would long outlive him. Um, reading part of the interview to 48 hours, Yoakum said, quote, when I'm dead and in my grave, people are going to believe I'm sending those letters, end quote. Unfortunately, Paul died and we'll never know. We'll never know, end quote. Hmm. And no other um, leather letters have come after they stopped that one time. Not a one. Huh. Not a one. Wow. But although Paul went to his grave swearing he didn't write the letters, a recent forensic examination revealed some stuff. Okay. And some things. So at the request of 48 Hours, Beverly East, a forensic document expert, performed an independent analysis examining 49 of the letters spanning from when they first started in 1997 and going through the 90s. After comparing them to letters that Paul had written to a friend, she noticed similarities in the way that the zip codes were written and even in some of his letters, saying, quote, the G is a very unusual G. Looks like a six, a number six, end quote. Okay. While East admitted that there were writing patterns in the anonymous letters that don't look like Paul's, after showing 48 Hours almost 100 examples of his distinct quirks that she was able to identify, in all, she said, quote, I would go into court and swear on the Bible on the evidence that I found. I would say one person wrote all of these, hmm. and the one person is this person. Paul Freshour, end quote. All right. Marie Mayhew also noted to 48 Hours, quote, the letter and the writing that was on the two by four was the same block handwriting, sort of the same cadence and the same message as the anonymous letter writer, end quote. Mm. Yant told 48 Hours, however, quote, even after he got out of prison, the, he approached the FBI and asked them to investigate the case, end quote. Like Paul did. Yeah. But the FBI never responded. Hmm. Nearly three decades after Paul asked the FBI for their help, one of its former star profilers, Mary Ellen O'Toole, who has worked on some of the like wildest cases from the Green River Killer to the Unabomber, uh-huh. she agreed to examine the Circleville letters for 48 hours and told the show, quote, whoever the writer is, they're flying under the radar screen, coming across as very normal, and people would not suspect them. She also noted quote you see the manipulation continue throughout these letters the letter writer is pretty callous this person would have to know i'm hurting people and that's okay with me end quote which she said was a sign that the writer might have been suffering from a personality disorder meaning that they knew the difference between right and wrong but simply chose wrong yeah um o'toole also said that she believed one solitary author wrote every letter saying quote when you have one person and one person only that person can take the secret to the grave end quote so after looking at the letters that continued while paul was in prison she told 48 hours that she believed the writer could be female and not educated due to many of the typos and various like grammatical errors in the messages but in a real twist (gasps) O'Toole told 48 Hours that based on the letters, she does not believe that the writer 
being so secretive about their identity that they would risk exposure by setting a booby trap in a public place. So they think that that's a different person. That's almost exactly what she said. She said, quote, that suggests to me that may have been done by somebody else who took advantage of the situation, end quote. All right. Ultimately, she said of Paul, quote, sitting here today, I'd say I can't rule him out, but I'm looking at other reasons that tell me it might, in fact, be somebody different, end quote. So even today, yeah, I know. um, Yant and Yoakum continue to question whether or not Paul's verdict was fair with Yoakum telling 48 Hours, quote, can I tell you I'm 100% sure that he didn't do it? No, I can't. But I can tell you, had I been sitting on that jury, I would have never sent that guy to prison based on the flimsy that flimsy ed- evidence, end quote. Wow. I can't speak. I know. And Yant added, quote, the more I got involved in the case and the more I saw, there were just too many question marks, end quote. So, nearly three decades after the Circleville writer's final threats were sent, their identity has never been conclusively proven. And no one has ever been charged with writing the Circleville letters. But the Pickaway County Sheriff's Office says that the case is closed. Hmm. Um, and that's that's it. I also want to throw in a little tidbit here that I wasn't able to include in this because I didn't know where. And I was like, I can't put this in. You'll know why in okay. a minute. <laughs> so when... There was a 1980 prison drama starring Robert Redford called Brubaker. Okay. And in the Columbus area, it was filmed in the Columbus area and they needed extras. Paul channeled his experiences as a former prison guard to play one in the movie. Whoa. And little did he know he'd eventually serve a decade for attempted murder. <gasps> That's, I just needed to include that. Like, I just really needed to include that. Wow. Um, Synchronicity. I know. I know, I know, all very weird, all very, like, wild, and I'm just, this case, man, is something else. Yeah, and it's crazy, like, this is much more interesting than the uh, Westfield Watcher. <laughs> yeah, but um, <laughs> no offense, please don't, please don't write us letters. Um, no, I hate that, no, I yeah. absolutely hate that. Um, but yeah, like, I need you to tell me about the movie that's based on this, because, uh this is a movie already we're making the movie that's crazy we're making the movie you and i are going to make this movie there's but (laughs) is there really no movie like based on this case yet how i girl i can't tell you i don't know so i think the um the collar bomb heist the um, mm-hmm. evil genius mm-hmm. docuseries like that yep. was that was on par with this in terms of like twists and turns twists. and and it being like a little bit under the radar when it first came out this is like the next evil genius like yeah. more needs to be talked about on this yeah and you'd be shocked like truly there's no like it's only been depicted on unsolved mysteries 48 hours uh the series seriously strange okay um that was season five or season six episode five of seriously strange um it's just it's it's very weird it's very very weird there's not a single 
not a single. That's crazy with the, like the, movie. the true crime boom the way it is. Uh, there, this needs to be. What you're saying is it needs to be talked about. We could get in on the ground floor. We could. We could make this movie. We could if I knew how to make movies. But yeah. Wow! If only we knew someone who went to movie making school. I do. I know. I do too. Oh. Yeah. I think we know the same person. No, I know somebody that I went to high school with. Oh, <laughs> well, you know two people then. Okay. You're sitting across from one, so to speak. Bean? God, fuck you. <laughs> You're getting a letter, all right. Like, <laughs> I don't want a weird block letter thing. <laughs> That's what you're getting for your no! birthday. <laughs> I hate. I've got to. I've got to go practice my handwriting right now. I hate. Everybody send Haley happy birthday letters in block lettering. Absolutely don't. I'll report you all. With poor grammar. <laughs> to who? To who? We're sending letters. We're sending snail mail. No, I, I won't get it. Actually, knowing my mail, I probably will never get it anyway. Whoever gets Haley as their secret Satan, I'm begging. I am begging. Please write her thing in block letters. No. No, I hate it. I'll throw it out. <laughs> You might hate it, but I love you. I love you. Ah. We're so See, we like close to Spooktober. We're so fucking close. Like We're around in bruh. the corner. It is so exciting. Um, you mentioned Secret Satan. I uh, did. At the time you were listening to this, you should have your it's, Secret Satan partner. I was going to say, it's time. Your Secret Satan match. So mm-hmm. the um, learn about them. Uh Get to know them. Uh, look at their social medias. Find out what they like. We'll send you a list of their likes and stuff. Um, yeah. And get ready to send them a spooky little package for Halloween. Because we please send them a spooky little package yes, for Halloween. We are all going to open our secret Satan gifts. Uh, we will be doing it live on stream on our hollow stream on halloween night we'll be watching a spooky movie uh during a live stream on twitch and there Mm -hmm. uh we'll take an intermission and open our secret satan gifts and uh we hope you will join us and do the same if you are a part of secret satan and also if you just want to join the twitch stream it will be a free live feed um of our stream so we will talk more about that as it gets closer but for now uh we'll also probably post updates on our all of our social media stuff so follow us facebook instagram twitter uh our emails crimeculturepod at gmail.com very soon. our website is crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com that is us um message us or email us for the link to our discord uh you can also support us on patreon for as little as a dollar as much as whatever you want next week is our patreon poll pick episode uh that we have pre-recorded for you so it is ready nice and fresh yes um and pre-sickness i think no i was still sick i'm gonna be sick for a while all right you Sorry. didn't sound, no offense, you didn't sound as sick yesterday. Yeah, I know. But <sighs> that happens. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. We will get past this. 
and we will make it through and you know what else we will do what we will see you see you next tuesday oh oh i thought we were gonna say it at the same time we can do it once more with feeling ready see See you you next next tuesday Tuesday. god damn it (laughs) all right bye bye